Have you ever wondered if all people can really be reached for Jesus? Have you given up on sharing your faith? What does Jesus expect? We will view the character of God in brand new ways. Stay tuned as we meet with Chris Holland, who will unpack the character of God and its relationship in reaching people. You're watching Ministry in Motion, where we share best practices for your ministry in the 21st century. Chris, welcome to Ministry in Motion. Hey, thank you so much. I'm glad to be here, Ivan. I am uh, just glad to deal with a subject that I know you're passionate about and you also practice. Yes, sir. <laughs> Absolutely. Evangelism. Yes. And we're going to look at the character of God. So let me ask you, um, this is maybe a new concept for people. And we're laying the foundation in the first of two parts yes. about this whole subject of reaching people for Jesus. So how is the character of God or why is the character of God important as one thinks about evangelism, as one thinks about sharing their faith? You know, it's interesting. The late uh, 19th century Methodist preacher by the name of E.M. Bounds wrote uh, a line that has stuck with me for many years in his fantastic book, Power Through Prayer. And he wrote these words. He said, the church seeks better methods. God mm. seeks for a better man. Now, he, when he used that word, a better man, he used it in its holistic sense of humanity. Right. What is he getting at there? He's getting at the reality that often we agitate, we think about methods, the challenge with methods is a method may work well for you, it may work well for me, but it's not going to work in every single context. Correct. So when we talk about reaching people, reaching the world, this task of reaching 7 billion people, mm. which is monumental, overwhelming, and seemingly impossible, right? it's important in my estimation to reflect upon how did God do this? What is God's ideal? And how does this character of God play into this? Well, it's important in order to understand Jesus' plan for comprehensive evangelism, reaching people in the 21st century hmm. to go back all the way to the beginning. And why are we actually here where we need to reach people? <laughs> right. Great and, question. And so we look at the beginning of the conflict and, and many of the viewers are going to be very familiar with the beginning of the conflict, but we go right back to the very beginning. God there in the, in the heavens and we had this perfect harmony in heaven. Hmm. And, uh, and then, of course, that perfect harmony was broken. Revelation, of course, uh, in verses 3 and 4, uh, excuse me, Revelation 12, verses 3 and 4, describes that perfect harmony uh, when it was broken. And it is a rather shocking statement as we look at Revelation 12, 3 and 4. And there uh, the Bible says, and another sign appeared in heaven, Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. Mm -hmm. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth. And so Revelation 12 describes this war mm -hmm. in heaven of all places. Now, how 
did that happen? And again, uh, this may be review for a lot of people, but it's really sure. important to understand because I know, and I'm sure in your ministry as well, Ivan, probably the biggest question we face, and it's an important question to deal with because the newest generation, uh, Generation Z, Generation Z, depending on where you're coming <laughs> from, uh, as they are referred to, the greatest impediment, uh, according to Barna Research and other researchers, the greatest impediment to their faith is the issue with the origin of evil. Yeah. If God is so good, why is there evil in this world? Why do people suffer? Why do people suffer? And sure. I know in my travels around the world, it's the biggest question that I deal with. Sure. So we come to this point where there's war in heaven and we see the origins of this great conflict then between good and evil. And again, our, our viewers are going to be very familiar with the story, but Ezekiel 28 gives us a little bit of history of how there's this war and where this great fiery red dragon came from. Mm -hmm. There in heaven, according to Ezekiel 28, God had a perfect angelic being that he had created there in Ezekiel chapter 28, beginning in verse 13. The Bible talks about this being being the seal of perfection, full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardis, the topaz, and diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, mm -hmm. the sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was created for you on the day you were created. And so we see this picture of this fantastic angelic being. Right. Absolutely perfect. I want to stop you right there because this gives us a foundation for which we can share with people that God didn't create sin. That's correct. It didn't start with God. And that is, at its very essence, an important point for people to understand. Sure. People will ask, well, why did God create the devil? Well, we're going to see in just a moment, God didn't create the devil. Sure. God created this perfect being, which verse 14 goes on to say, you were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. This is all symbolic language of the very throne room of God. And right. it's interesting, this being is referred to as the covering cherub. And, mm. you know, you go to that Old Testament sanctuary and the imagery of the sanctuary. This is the angel that stood next to the very throne of God. Right. And then in what I consider to be probably one of the saddest verses in the entirety of the scriptures, you were perfect in your ways from the day you were created. And then there's that word, till. Till, till iniquity was found in you. And so this, this angelic, perfect being mm -hmm. comes to this place where iniquity then is found in this being. Now, Isaiah 14, because people will say, well, why, why was there this iniquity? Why was this, there right. this rebellion? Well, Isaiah 14 gives us a little bit of a picture, kind of a behind the scenes look as to why this happened. I'm walking with you. And so Isaiah <laughs> chapter 14 tells us, uh, what the very core issue was of this battle. Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 12. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. And here it is. For you said in your heart, 
I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. And here it is. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Okay. And there's the core issue. And it's mm. really, and this is a whole nother story. It's really the core issue of sin. The core issue of sin is when we want to take the place of God in our life. Wow. But this angelic being basically came to the point where he was completely dissatisfied with the governance of God mm -hmm. and said, you know what? I could do this a whole lot better. <laughs> and with that, you have this fall from a perfect angelic being, Lucifer, the perfect angel, becoming Satan, the fiery red evil angel. Chris, let's stop right there for a moment. I laughed because who can do anything better than God? That's right. And yet Satan tried. Stay with us. You're watching Ministry in Motion. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. I'm talking with Chris Holland, an evangelist, a pastor, one who is passionate about reaching people for Christ. And we were dealing with the relationship between the character of God and reaching people. And I think we left off in Isaiah 14, yes. where Satan wanted to be like God. Yes. Let's keep going. What in the world was he trying to do? And did that just stay in heaven? It's an, it's an amazing thing because what we find here is that Lucifer, this good angel that now becomes Satan, yeah. becomes one of the most deceptive, and not one of the most, the most deceptive creature ever in the history of the universe. And now he basically says, you know what, I don't like how God governs things. <laughs> we read in Revelation 12, he begins whispering to all the other angels, hey, I don't like how God, I don't like how God is doing things. And in essence, and in summary, his accusation was really a catch-22 for God because he said, you know, listen, God's not just. Right. Oh, and God's too merciful. Well, how do you answer that? That's, right. that, that's, that's a major question to deal with. And here is the question when people ask about this origin of evil, people always ask me, why didn't God just destroy Satan and start over? Right. Well, here's the fundamental problem. If God takes Satan, wipes him out on the spot, in the midst of the accusations of Satan, he has a fundamental problem because the Bible says emphatically the major characteristic of God is that he is love. Mm. Well, in order for love to truly be love, it must give us the opportunity to say yes, okay. but also the opportunity to say no. Mm. And so choice. It's the fundamental free will choice. Sure. And so had God struck down Satan at that point, it would have kept the question alive of his original accusations and the rest of the universe would no longer serve God out of love, mm. but would fundamentally serve him out of fear. Right. And that is not what God desires. Right. So Satan, Revelation 12 outlines this in verses seven and eight, Satan is ejected from heaven. Mm. You can't find a place here in heaven but the Bible says he sweeps a third of the angels sure. with him. But he's cast down to the earth. And, 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 and John, the writer of Revelation, says, woe to the inhabitants of the earth. That's right. And so this great conflict is 
brought down to the earth. Well, we find that conflict just exposed ultimately in Genesis chapter 3. Of course, we know Genesis is the recording of the beginnings mm -hmm. uh, of, of this earth. God creates a perfect planet, perfect harmony on the earth, creates a perfect garden for our original parents, Adam and Eve, to live there in. And God, out of his love for them, gives them a choice. Yes. He says, listen, I give you anything and everything in the garden to eat except for one thing. There's a, there's a tree there. That tree is the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and you need to not eat from that. Hmm. And in Genesis 3, we pick up, and again, this is going to be a familiar story, but Adam and Eve are there in the garden, and then Eve finds herself by this tree right. that she's not to eat from. And there in the tree is this talking serpent. And we know that talking serpent, in fact, is Satan himself mm. working through this animal right. and begins this discussion with Eve. And we could, you know, there are, are a litany of sermons we could preach about this right. uh, because so often as human beings, we want to play on the edge. And this mm. is in a perfect example of not playing on the edge. But the bottom line is here is Eve engages the serpent. The serpent essentially tricks the woman into partaking of this fruit that God had told her not to partake of, that God had told Adam not to partake of. Right. Adam then, out of choice, and, and this is another lesson as we talk about the character of God, Adam wasn't even tempted by Satan. Mm -hmm. Adam made a choice because he didn't trust in God's plan to also partake of the fruit and join his wife in her rebellion. Mm -hmm. And then God comes looking and we see the, just the reality of the human condition from that point forward. In verse 9 of Genesis 3, God comes to the garden after this fall has happened. And he says in verse 9, Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? And that is the question that God's been asking throughout history. Where are you? It's interesting, Chris. There are only two people on the planet. And God is asking them, where are you? Where are you? So it's not just a question for us to find where we are. That's right. But it's a question that makes me ask myself, um, where am I in relationship to God? That's right. It's a powerful question. It's a powerful question of yeah. a God who loves us so much. Mm -hmm. That basically from Genesis through Revelation right. is one continuous story of the relentless pursuit of God asking his children, where are you? And so what happens? Genesis 3.15 is the promise. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He, speaking of the seed, shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is the first gospel promise. Sure. Satan, you may have demonstrated your character here, and now what we're going to see, Satan, as you have unleashed this rebellion on the earth, what mm. your government will look like. Right. And throughout history, and this summarizes kind of in its entirety, the history of the Bible is Satan's attack against God's people and God being with his people and continuing to have a faithful people on the earth. Right. Because remember, this is relating back now to how do we reach people? God is simply trying to demonstrate his character. That ultimate demonstration of character comes in the person of Jesus Christ. Right. Because by the time of Jesus, and we don't have time to go through all of this, <laughs> by the time Jesus comes to the earth, the Bible and its teachings have been so deformed mm. by all of the 
human traditions brought in, right. that Jesus comes to demonstrate his love and God's love for these people and this planet. And when he came, was that uh, just a normal initiation? Was it, uh, was it counterintuitive? What, what, first of all, uh, let me go back, and I, I, we're running out of time for this segment. But, you know, people think about, well, how did sin start? The mystery of iniquity. Yes. Uh, people are stuck there sometimes. Yeah. Yes. How did sin start in a perfect place? But then they see God coming in the form of, of human flesh, Jesus, That's he right. came. And um, I want you to talk more about Jesus and why Jesus is the answer and why Jesus is the one we share with the good news of the gospel when we come back. You're watching Ministry in Motion. Please stay tuned. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. I'm talking with Chris Holland about the relationship of God's character to actually sharing your faith and reaching people. Yeah. Chris, Jesus did come. Yes. Was that a counter initiative? So Jesus coming was the answer. Yes, it's absolutely a part. And that's what we see in the great cosmic conflict, the great controversy between good and evil. Okay. This back and forth where Satan attacks, Jesus responds, Jesus goes on offensive, Satan responds, and it's this back and forth. And so Jesus comes. We know clearly what the Bible says. The wages of sin is death. And Romans 3.23 gives us the real fundamental problem. All have sinned, and all includes me, and includes you, right. and includes everyone. All have sinned, but what's the answer? The answer is Jesus. He is the only substitute. And so God, in his divine, relentless pursuit of love, sends his only son, Jesus. Mm. He comes as a demonstration of the character of God. And in those words of John 1.1, 1, 1, he came to his own. Sure. And his own received him not. Jesus is fundamentally rejected by people. Jesus is killed. Jesus dies, though, and makes a sacrifice for our sin, and he dies in our place. He takes our place. Right. And from that, we have this small group of 120 mm. that explode. And Revelation 12 tells us the entire history of the Christian church as it explodes, as people are accepting Jesus. But it also tells us that as Satan sees this explosion of the great message of salvation in Jesus Christ mm -hmm. just going, he has this, what I call the frontal assault. He's attacking the church and we look at church history. How did Satan operate in those first centuries? The persecution of the church, most particularly through the Roman Empire. Mm. What happened that? Well, Tertullian tells us that the blood of martyrs was as seed to the church. So right. the more and more Christians that die right. and are martyred, the faster the church seems to grow. And we can find historical accounts there in uh, the Circus Maximus where Christians are being martyred. Sure. And people in the crowd are so moved mm. by their martyrdom that they're standing for Christ. Right. So there's this demonstration. Mm. Well, Satan sees that this initiative to persecute Christians <laughs> failed. Right. So what does he do? Revelation 12, 17 tells us and articulates a change in tactic. 
Mm. And we could spend a lot of time talking about this, but I'm just going to briefly mention it. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 17, it says, And the dragon, this is Satan, was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring. If you're reading from the King James, it says the remnant of her seed, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. You know, I've preached on this passage multitudes of time, and Ivan, here's something that I noticed that I had never noticed before. The word there, and he went to make war. Mm. When you look that up in the original Greek language, that word there actually is translated, he went away. Mm. Now, that doesn't make sense. When you make war with somebody, what do you do? You attack. You you don't go away. You don't go away. Right. Well, where does he go away to? Mm. Well, we have to remember the Bible was not written in chapter and verse division when John wrote this. He didn't, right. he didn't write Revelation 12 and then Revelation 13. He wrote one continuous letter. Where does he go away to? Well, Revelation 13 tells us where he went away to. He went away to get his two friends, the sea beast and the land beast. <laughs> and he has now a new tactic. He said, you know what? The frontal assault of persecution is not going to work. Mm. So I'm going to come through the back door. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to work through deception deceit and trying to transform the gospel message into something it's not. Bullies don't fight fair, do they? They don't. (laughs) They don't. Now, God's not caught by surprise, and this gives us an overarching picture because sometimes we read the book of Revelation in isolation, a text here, a text there, a dragon here, a beast here, but Revelation 14 is this counter-initiative that you're talking about that is so fundamental. God's not caught by surprise. What is the counter-initiative? We would call it the three angels' messages. You have three angels that come, and the first angel comes proclaiming the ultimate counter-initiative to the deception of the devil, and that is, I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven having the everlasting gospel. Right. So the answer Mm. to this attack of the devil is the everlasting gospel. Mm. Now, this should not surprise us because if we go back to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 24, this is exactly what Jesus himself said. Matthew chapter 24, of course, we know that Jesus is answering the questions of the disciples. They're asking, hey, when's the temple, of, when's the temple going to be destroyed? And right. what is the sign of the end of the age? It's two different questions. They thought it was one. Okay. Jesus goes on and gives the signs of the times. But then he comes to the verse Verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. Right. Kind of seems to come out of order, though, because you still have more signs of the times that come after it. Right. But it's key, the first, the verses that are just before it. Verse 12, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. Right. Jesus is describing, and He is describing this time, and that time he's describing there, I would contend, when you do some research on the passage, there's a number of tie-ins. Matthew chapter 24, verses 12 to 14, is a description of the same time period of Revelation 14. Okay. But here's where I'd like to take some time, Ivan, to focus and ultimately answer the question, because we've answered kind of the question of what. We've built this right. framework, and now we need to get into the so, so what. So what does this mean? Right. But here's the key question. Jesus didn't say, and the gospel will go forward. He said, and this gospel. Right. And I believe that Matthew was inspired when he wrote those words, and he wrote those words <laughs> in particular, and this gospel. And so the fundamental question is, what is this, this gospel? gospel? Great question. And so, 
when we try to answer that, we have to say, well, what did Jesus intend for us to understand with this gospel and how we apply it to our lives? Sure, sure. And so did Jesus ever articulate what this gospel is, what the everlasting gospel is? I would contend that those two are the exact same. Did he ever outline his mission of what it is? What is the message that will bring about this end that Jesus talks about? Hmm. And so we do find in Luke chapter 4, Jesus articulating his mission very clearly on how to reach the world. Chris, I think that's a perfect place to stop. Um, This is part one of a two-part discussion on not only looking at the character of God, but its relationship to reaching people and sharing our faith. Um, Chris, we'll have to do this again, and you'll have to join us for the next portion of this broadcast. Thanks so much for being with us. You're watching Ministry in Motion. We learned quite a bit about comprehensive evangelism. Chris Holland shared, there is a close relationship between God's character and sharing your faith. God's character has been questioned ever since the conflict started in heaven. Also, this conflict started in heaven and came down to planet Earth. He also told us that Jesus came to reveal the character of God and that Jesus came to deliver this gospel and to empower others to share it. We're so glad you've joined us on Ministry in Motion. You can view this and other programs on YouTube, download it as a podcast, or visit ministryinmotion.tv. Remember, you also can be an ambassador for heaven and share your faith.